listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Los Angeles, California, this is AfterBuzz TV for Season 7 of Desperate Housewives. Tonight's host is Roxy Stryer. Joining Roxy will be AfterBuzz's co-host, Sarah Stretton. And we'll break down tonight's episode and give you all the latest Desperate Housewives news and gossip. We want to hear from you, too. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show... You can buzz us at 347-855-8269. That's 347-855-8269. And now, picking up where the show leaves off, and the buzz continues, Roxy Stryer. Okay, today we're talking about Desperate Housewives. We had a crazy episode today with a lot of dramatic stuff happening. There's issues between Matt and Tom and whether he is a man and can be the CFO of this company. And then Andrew actually, we see his alcoholism coming out and he takes after his mom, Bree, who if you recall used to have a problem with alcoholism. There's an issue with Renee and we find out a big has secret about her as she gets through her hard times with Gabby being one of her new BFFs as we see on the show and then of course the big problem with Paul and Felicity letting Beth go and whether Susan should get her kidney or not so I wanted to start quickly with Lynette and Tom to talk about whether Lynette is right or wrong in this situation which is a conversation I feel like we have very often is Lynette stepping over her bounds or is she not? I mean, I actually don't think she is stepping over her bounds because his decision really does affect both of their lives. Like, when you're married, I think he obviously does have more weight, but he really does need to listen to her complete side because what he chooses to do financially affects both of them. You know, like, they they share the same bank account, all of their stuff. They're, like, paying for a bunch of kids to go to college and it should she does have a voice in this like he can't just do absolutely whatever he wants they also switch off being the breadwinner sometimes she has the big job sometimes he does so i feel like in a way she's kind of like if you're not going to step up to the plate i know i can do it and i have done it for us so that's why it is important that she helps make the decision but at the same time does she have to do it in the way she did you know she could have been straight up with him and said listen and she did try. She did try to say, listen, but she planted that car right in front of right in front of the house so that car so that he would think it was Carlos's. And it's clearly not Carlos's. And if she hadn't stopped him from going over there, Tom would look like a jackass. Completely like that's definitely going too far. But um, in the same way, it just make like I was cringing when we saw Lynette drive up in that Lotus and you know she was maliciously parking it in front of Carlos's house to make it look like his but mm-hmm. I, at the same time I was just like oh my gosh I knew exactly what she was going to do because it's so Lynette to just push it that far yeah definitely you know it it kind of brings a problem for me though and a lot of this is starting to happen for me with the show is that 
I used to love how, you know, when people tell you, you are so you, oh my gosh, Sarah, you're so Sarah. I loved that about these characters, how they were so them through and through all the time and very different from usual characters that you see on TV. But I'm kind of getting sick of how typical they are themselves. You know how sometimes you want to see an arc in a character, a change in a character, and I feel like it's been a very long time since we've seen Lynette do something different, since we've seen her step down, since we've seen her back off, and every move she makes is very typical Lynette. And a lot of the women are falling into that trap, which brings me to the point that they don't know whether they're signing back on again for another season. And where can this show really go from there? Have their characters reached their full potential? I think the one trick this show uses is you're right. Like they keep their characters very like the girls very true to themselves, but they change the show about by arcing other characters. Like Tom changes a lot. Like, you see in what him way? Ang- like, well, in this episode, we saw Tom really just tell Lynette to back off when she was trying to tell him what to do. And he said something like, if you want to see me become a man, like, d- like don't drop this subject. Yeah, like, he- and he never does that. He normally backs off and listens to her. And he's finding his own ground against Lynette. So they use things like that. But so you're not bothered by the fact that these characters are very themselves. I don't know what other way to phrase that. Just that Lynette is Lynette. Well, for, it's been so long that I feel like they have to kind of keep her Lynette because they have an audience who loves Lynette, you know? Right. No, I definitely get what you're saying. I, I think a lot more for some of the other characters, we have seen different arcs. We've seen Brie go from complete anal person to sometimes being a little more relaxed or whatever it is but I feel like with Lynette there never really has been a change she's always been very hard that is a good point and so I I feel like I'm ready for her for something I don't even know where they could really go with it but for something to change something to happen to be different and I, I guess the only thing I was thinking was to be a little soft and for once to let Tom make his own decisions. She says tonight in tonight's episode, I am the reason you have become successful or, and I'm the one who has to push you. And then he says, you're really not going to take that back and she won't back down. Which is just so typical, Lynette. What if for once she said, you know what, Tom, you're right. I'm going to let you run the next couple months, see what you do with it. And then we can see if he actually goes somewhere See, Lynette, you aren't the only one who can run this family. Very true. And, like, you only see Lynette ever back down when she knows she's going to get her way. Like, 100%. Like, we, we, there was the scene where she was in the car with Tom, and he tells her to be quiet. And you see Tom fall in love with the car, and Lynette's just smirking in the passenger seat because she knows she doesn't have to say anything now because right. she knows she won. Right. She got her way. And then, then she shuts up. But I want her to shut up before. I want to see her stop. But somebody else who is very hard and has been that way for a while, Bree, actually lets down this episode and talks to her son. So originally we see her going with her son to this AA meeting because he has messed up his life a little bit. And he has this very touching speech where he says, you know what, I dusted today, I did this, and I was actually proud of myself. I'm not doing anything with my life. My husband, is he married to? Yeah. Okay, so his husband is 
getting all this stuff done. He's a doctor. He's working 18-hour shifts. And Andrew's feeling like he has no place. So he talks and he says, so what's wrong with me having a drink at the end of the night? And I was very convinced. Oh, you're right. Nothing's wrong with you having a drink at the end of the night. No problem. Which is how scary alcohol alcoholism is. And I get a lot of crap here at AfterBuzz because I'm the quote-unquote alcoholic of the group. But as far as I'm concerned, while you're in college, it definitely doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't count. Post-college, when you're supposed to have a job and you have a husband and all that, all that crap, all that stuff, it actually does start to matter. And how you make your husband or your boyfriend or girlfriend feel really matters and what you're willing to give up for them. Mm-hmm. And it's a conversation that Andrew has had. What was his boyfriend's name? I know that. Um, Alex. 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 It's a conversation Andrew has had with Alex, or Alex has had with Andrew, rather. Listen, you're drinking too much. You need to stop. And he says, oh, or I'm going to leave you. And Andrew can't stop. And that's how you know it's a problem. When you know the most important thing in your life, you can't, you can't give something up for the most important person in your life. And that's when it really hit me because when he, weren't you so convinced? He gives his whole speech. What's wrong with me having a drink at the end of the night? Actually, when he said the speech, all I could think about was, wow, you are Brie. Really? Like, think about it. He said, he was made the comment about, you know what? I dusted today because that's all I could think to do. And like, it made me happy. Mm-hmm. And I was like. And she said, there's nothing wrong with that. And he was like, oh, of course you think that. And that's because for a while, like not for always, like Brie obviously did have some success in like business and stuff. But for a while, that's what Brie did. You know, she right. was just clean and tidy and did her day and then drank at the end and i was like that's all i could think about so like i was a little convinced but all i could think about was the similarity to like how i could see brie giving Mm -hmm. that speech at some point in her life correct me if i'm wrong but i don't recall when brie's alcoholism and i'm sure i'm sure it was but when was her alcoholism getting in the way what was was there some storyline there with that because i think that that's a big difference between some people who drink alcohol and some people who don't and what an actual alcoholic is is if it's getting in the way if you are drinking and it is preventing you from doing something else and the alcohol is actually affecting your relationships affecting your work affecting your life your job whatever it is i think she made a fool of herself and there was someone in her life who asked her to stop and she didn't if i remember correctly okay i I have this like memory of her like falling on her face or right. something like that because where where is the line of alcoholism you know when it, it does affect when all it, of that when it is affecting mm-hmm. and finally it is affecting him and and he leaves him and by the way do we think that alex is going to get back with andrew i think that they're going to use this as a whole line like Ooh, oh we, Buzz has a we have we have visitors Look how popular we are <laughs> you hear the doorbell ringing in the background um, so many friends what can i say who knows but I think they're going to use this as, I don't think Alex is going to come back right away, but I'm hoping that they'll like, Brie will help her son, Andrew, and then something's going to happen where like, they're going to try and fight for Alex back or something like that. You know, because probably the worst thing that somebody can do when you're in a relationship with somebody and you're an alcoholic, the worst thing they could do is leave you. I mean, on one hand, it needs to be clear and you need to get through to somebody I'm going to leave you if you don't stop this so that enough is on the line. But on the other hand, 
how much more of an alcoholic are they beginning to become if the person does leave them? So what what is Alex supposed to do? What is right and what would be wrong? I think, well, from what I saw in the episode, I don't think Alex tried enough. Like, they made a point to say that he was trying to avoid him by working longer. Like, at the Wait, that is not helping. That is avoiding. Yes. What is that? And then you tell Brie once that you're going to leave him, and then she asks you to stay and try one more time. And he's like, oh, I can't get through to him. Bye. Like, you need to try a little harder and than the, that. It's the episode husband. was very unclear about that. So, were those, was that back-to-back days, do you think? She has that conversation, and the next day she goes over to talk to Andrew to ask to bring him to AA, and Andrew says that Alex left him? I think it was within, like, two days. Like, it was really close. So, like, there was no trying period in between those? I don't think so. Like, it didn't seem to be. And that's just, I feel horrible for Andrew, because, like, yeah, that just drives you more into it. And I don't think... Alex made it clear enough that he was going to leave. I think he avoided the situation and left him alone more. So what was Alex supposed to do? As a perfect boyfriend, what do you do when you see your boyfriend slipping? You see him drinking more often. You know you have a serious job. You, You can't give up your job to help your boyfriend. What do you do? I think that you really just do, you have, like, you just have to really put it on the table more than once, more than a couple of times, a lot that you are going to like. Leave. You know, when you threaten something, the more times you threaten it, the less valid it becomes. Every drink they have, up, oh, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you. It becomes like a little game. How f- Andrew's like, how far can I push this? How far can I push this? How many more drinks can I have before he actually does leave me? And then he does leave. True, but I feel like just once isn't enough either but you know to show who knows how many times he actually says that and the way that alex presented it to brie was i've been doing this has been happening for a really long time but then again if it's been happening for such a long time why haven't you said anything to brie why haven't you said anything to anybody because this clearly was the first brie was hearing of this yeah which is and she has experience with it and right. it's his mother. And so. Alex knows that, of course. So I guess what I'm saying is I think that he should definitely have looked for help in other places before finally walking out. And I don't even know if threatening to leave somebody at all is a good thing. Because what does that do? I think that's more of something you do for yourself. Like you put yourself a little first and you go, I, I can't handle this, so I have to let them know that. This is the consequence. So Alex is saying that because for Alex, for Alex, mm-hmm. okay, not for Andrew. I like see. He's what not saying. saying it to snap him out of it. He's saying because he has to like to make set sure. a limit for himself. If he keeps doing this, I'm going to leave him, and I'm going to let him know. Yeah, I think that's where it comes from. Speaking of di- difficult situations to handle, so we learn a lot about Renee tonight, and this is why I love that Renee has been added to the show. We know so much about all these other characters. Even to the point where we, Desperate Housewives and Mark Cherry needed to take a five-year gap in the show a couple seasons ago so that there could have been, we could talk more history because we've learned so much. Other than finding out about Gabby and being molested when she was younger, we hadn't heard about the history of these people in a really long time because so much of it has been covered. And Renee, this fairly new character on the show, comes on. And we have so much to learn about her husband, about her family. And tonight, we learn that her mother committed suicide. I thought that was a really great Mm storyline because the entire episode, you're sitting and thinking to yourself, okay, I get that Renee likes to party. I know she's social, 
but why is she pushing this? What does this mean to her? Because she was not calling off the party for anything. For anything. And we saw that. And she just looked. There's a line in there that um, Gabby says, thank you, Renee, for making me look like the... Sympathetic one. The sympathetic one. Because Renee's just doesn't care about Beth's death. She just wants her party. And she's going to... And she says that this is about living and choosing to live. And they take that... They make her seem so harsh and like cold-hearted for the whole show and then at the end it just opens up which brings me to the question is she right when is it okay to celebrate was that okay what she was doing because she had reasoning i think it's that's a hard one i mean i feel like that's kind of however you cope with it you can't really tell people they're wrong because if i had been like the many people whose doors gabby approached if I had been a neighbor, I would have said, Renee, are you freaking kidding me? Shut down your party. What's wrong with you? Because we don't think, you know, you don't realize what somebody else may or may not be going through based on a situation. You think about yourself. You think how that's affecting you. Or you think about the person's husband or the per- people directly related to them. But you don't think about the people that your neighbors, their friends, friends of friends who could be affected by somebody. And it, it really hit home for me because when I, when I was thinking about it, the whole episode, I was thinking, what a bitch, you know, mm-hmm. judging. And I'm not a very judgmental person, but I was sitting there thinking, how could she do that? Just, just stop the party. And then finally it clicked for me and I turned over to you in the episode and I said, her mom definitely committed suicide. Like I was thinking about it. Why? Why did she do it? Why did she do it? And so many people don't take the time to stop and ask themselves the question, why? And it's mm-hmm. so important that we actually do that, which is what with yeah, Jesse's here snapping me. You go, girl. You know what I mean, though? Because Gabby finally does that. And you don't think of Gabby as a very sensitive person. But Gabby, Gabby finally stops and asks, you know, you told me your mom died, but did she take her own life? And Renee doesn't want to talk about it, and Gabby respects that. But Gabby stays, and Gabby's there for her, and and that's a side of Gabby we didn't see a lot. Yeah, and that was good. Like, how how they used that was a really good way, because it does make you think about everything. Like, they didn't throw it out in the beginning, and it wasn't a big deal. It's like, Renee chose her own way to cope and stuck to her way to cope until it, like, came out. Even Even though she had to pay for all of her guests, including Gabby's pool man. Oh, yes, and the guy who picks up roadkill. Who decided to wear his roadkill outfit to work. I mean, to the party. Very nice choice, roadkill man. Yeah, no, but that, I mean, it, I loved it. I loved how it gave more depth to Renee. And she, I felt bad for her at the end. She's been through a lot. She's been that? through a lot. And you know, also, I think this is affecting a lot her reasoning for not being a mother at this point. We've seen this season that she's had a lot of issues with whether to become a mother or whether not to become a mother. And I really think she just doesn't want to screw up. She doesn't want to mess up her kid's life in perhaps the way she feels her mom has messed up her life and turned her into this person who's very hard. And there's the other part of her that I think take notice of is that she doesn't realize there was an episode where she was babysitting Lynette's baby. And she didn't realize she had to be there all the time because right. obviously she didn't have that. She didn't have somebody who was there all the time. And it makes a lot of sense. And just going back to what I was saying before, when you meet people on the street and you think, oh, that person is so awful. 
who knows? Not that that's an excuse because there are plenty of people who have really crappy lives who turn out to be freaking amazing, unbelievable people. But there are some people who have really crappy lives, such as Renee, who she's not a bad person. But if you just talk to her for a little bit, you can be very judgmental. Like when she slept with Tom Scavo and you Mm -hmm. think, what a horrible friend. Maybe she just doesn't know any better. Maybe she was not taught any better. Maybe because she doesn't have a mother. Maybe because she didn't have siblings or because she's never had kids or whatever it is. She does the thing she does. Yeah. And it made her much more real to me. That I guess that's where I'm going with is that her character was much more real to me. And back to the beginning, there is an arc with her and she still has room to change and grow because we have not seen her for so long. So do we want to see more characters on the show, more new people? Because a lot of these actors have not signed on for next season. I mean, I think when it comes to new characters, it's like you pull in 10 people and the audience likes one because you fall in love with everyone so much that everyone else is like, no, 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 we don't like them. Right. It doesn't work. So yeah, I think they should try it. But I mean, you just can't give up. You got to keep picking and picking until yeah. you find one that sticks. Like. Poor Beth. I was just going to say. Poor Beth. I mean, we all hated Moving on to Beth. She was like doomed because everyone was like, no, she doesn't fit in. But you know what? I feel like we kind of liked Beth towards the end. Well, maybe only the last episode because we love Susan and wanted Susan to get a kidney. But poor Beth. We thought we all kind of developed this. Oh, she's so creepy. She's so weird. She's just a weird girl. That's fine. You can be weird as long as you're nice. And now she's dead. And it was weird because... Uh, the last episode we reported how we were going to be seeing a lot more of Beth or we were going to still be seeing Beth and that her character or that um, she's her the actress said that and now she's dead so what are, what are we getting at is she going to be a ghost here are we going to see the memory of her we still see Mary Ellen a lot I don't Mary know Beth. I mean, we might need to save this for predictions but we maybe she'll tie into Felicity or not Felicity um, what's her mother's name no, yeah, Felicity, isn't it? I think so. I'm pretty sure. I, I We'll call her Mrs. Beth's mom. Mrs. Beth's mom. We see, like, some, you know, little uh, flashes of her life. So maybe she'll come in flashbacks there? Right. No, that, something? That's what I'm thinking. That's definitely what I'm thinking. And m- moving on to F- Felicity. That's got to be it. What I it? think so. It just sounds... You know when you say something and it sounds weird coming out of your Excuse mouth? Excuse us if we're wrong then, but we're going to call her Felicity. Hope you guys don't mind. So, it comes down to this. Felicity versus Paul. That is such a battle. Two headstrong, creepy, creepy people. The two biggest influences in Beth's life, who clearly turned out to be a nut job, to say it as nicely as possible, <laughs> turned out crazy... So Paul, we really see him in the end understand. Felicity gives him this whole sob speech about what happened and how they really screwed up Beth and how they need to stop and this can't go on any longer. And Paul sits there and he's receptive and he gets it. And then he goes and he talks to Susan. And that was such a touching moment. Oh, it was so nice. I actually went, wow, I might like Paul. Chills. Yeah. The only other time I've felt this way for Paul is you remember when he was sitting in the corner of the room and he was talking to Beth about how he hates hating. He's like, I, my life stinks because I hate so many people and this hatred is consuming me. Mm-hmm. And I finally felt like in this episode tonight, 
He's letting that go. You know what? He doesn't like Susan. He doesn't like what she did, how she did not stick up for him, how she did not visit him in jail, how she was a crappy neighbor. He's even gone so far to take her house, try to ruin her life, and now make sure that she doesn't get a kidney. But finally, he sits there and says, let bygones be bygones because this is what my wife wanted. And I'm going to respect her wishes. Which was really important for us to see. And then we see Beth's mom and her creepy ass smile at the end. It was so scary. The warden goes in and lets her know that she's getting out on humanitarian or something. Okay, so what does that mean? I think it. I think it just means that she gets parole because of some sort of, like, good behavior or something like that. But the way she phrased it, she said, my daughter had to die for me to be able to leave. What Was it, do they, like, let people out of jail because they feel sympathetic? There's no way, right? The, the way she phrased it sounded like... I think that was, like, her mental connection right. and it being, like, weird. Uh-huh. But, like, she, they tell her she can leave and then she just gets this the devil, most devilish smile ever. So what the hell is that smile about? To me, it kind of meant like I might have said that I wanted forgiveness and wanted to let things go to Paul. But now that I'm out of here, I don't. So she has absolutely zero interest in making peace with Paul. That smile literally gave me the heebie-jeebies. I almost got the chills. It scared me. I thought she looked like the Chucky doll. So was that what you were expecting? Were you expecting it to go that way? Because I was taken so off guard. I did not. I well, I didn't think she was getting out. And if she got out, I thought she was going to like cry or something instead of that. I don't know. I didn't see it coming. I thought that from that speech, I thought that they were good. Which is kind of how I wanted it to go. Because even though it's fun to have the crazy character running around on the street who's trying to kill Paul still, whatever it is. Like I was saying before, the arc in these characters, I want to see change because this it's been running on. Well, what season are we in? Is it season seven? Mm. Season seven. That's a long time for a show to be running. And even though Paul and Felicity aren't old characters, you got to keep them changing. They've got to stay fresh. And I just feel like this, this arc in Paul was like, yes, I want to see this change. And who knows how long it will last. But at least for one episode, I felt... Maybe Paul is good. Maybe he's not pure evil. And I was feeling that way about her too. And I wanted them kind of to come back out and be on the street and maybe be together and make a change and make things better. But that's not what's about to happen. We we can definitely infer that based on the smile. That's what I saw. There was no happiness in that smile except for evil happiness. Crazy lady on the street. A scary thought. Scary. To me, she is the creepiest character that has ever been on desperate housewives she chopped off her own fingers to frame another person what the hell yeah that's mentally unstable what is she capable of i really don't know i don't want to talk too much about it though because we'll get to it into predictions let's go to a nice person let's go to susan's uh, reaction susan's reaction on the the fact that she's getting this kidney i know and happy ending did you for think, that did you think that she was in the right for not wanting the kidney what did you feel how did you feel that mike played into susan's reaction and susan played into mike's they seemed to be very different on the situation i thought it was really like honest like it's it's really honest for like any husband to like want to fight like for their wife's life by any means like 
push any boundaries, do anything for that one person. Right. And that's the only person on their mind. Whereas for Susan, she was conflicted because, you know, you go from the high point of in the beginning of the episode, she thinks she's getting a kidney. Right. To the next thing, finding out that the person who's giving her a kidney was someone who committed suicide. For her. For, for But, you know, she was saying... I don't want to take this kidney because I'm the reason that woman's in the hospital. But for me, it was more that woman put herself in the hospital so I could have this kidney. How rude of me to not take it. I mean, I think she got to that point at the very end. But after, but in the middle of the episode, we saw Paul talk to Susan and be like, you're horrible. You don't deserve this. She's my wife. Like, leave her alone. It's still her body. So, like, I think it was really honest for Susan to be conflicted because you, you saw her kind of all over the place, like, thank you, and I'm sorry, and I don't know if I should, but I really appreciate it at the same time. Right. And that's, it's a huge thing. I think that's how anyone would feel. You're not just, like, all one thought, like, right. yay, like, someone died, that's going to come into your mind, too. You know, pulling somebody off life support is a very tricky situation uh, that recently for whatever reason i've had to learn a lot about and first of all the, there's only one state in the country that you can decide to uh, have your spouse and only your spouse get pulled from uh, actually take medicine to make them die because they're in so much pain and because they actually want to die what and state? that's and that's oregon i don't i don't know why but it is and or actually, I think it's your parents too. Your parents can do it if you are underage and, and or your spouse. But you know, if you have a life partner, if you are not married or if you live with your sibling or whoever it is, you can't do that. You cannot just make that decision. And also, if you have not previously signed paperwork to be able to pull the person off life support and actually give them medicine to make them die, you can't. So unless you've previously decided that your husband or your wife is allowed to do that, you actually are not allowed to. And you have to be an organ. How crazy is that? Desperate Housewives ratings dropped to their lowest level ever last night, falling to 8.83 million viewers, beat out by CBS's coverage of the 46th Annual Academy of Country Music Awards and NBC's Celebrity Apprentice. A year ago, against the same competition, Desperate Housewives attracted 10.62 million viewers, which also turned out to be the lowest number for that season. And Eva Longoria's Besso restaurant and Eve nightclub in Las Vegas appears to be running at about break-even pace while in bankruptcy, and it's making progress on getting some creditors paid. Records filed last week show that through February, Besso LLC had lost about 137000 since January 6th when they filed for bankruptcy. During this period, gross revenue total $1.69 million. Numbers for March haven't yet been reported, but the property was projected to turn a profit of $113,000 on $1 million of gross revenue in March. If that holds true, the March, would pro the March profit would negate and much of the money lost through February. And after releasing her new cookbook called Eva's Kitchen, Cooking with Love for Family and Friends, Eva was featured in a two-page spread in In Touch magazine. The spread described how she loves to cook, but knows she has to strike a balance between enjoying food and staying in shape. She revealed to In Touch that her big secret is to eat what you want, but in moderation. She also appeared today outside the Ed Sullivan Theater in NYC to promote her cookbook on tonight's Late Show with David Letterman. 
Eva expressed in Guatemala, Mexico, how she hopes for the United States and Latin America to approve laws which will pr protect minors who work in farms, saying, quote, this is a worldwide problem and I hope we can change the law in the U.S. Who starred in the Guadalajara International Film Festival, the film directed by Roberto Romero exposes harsh conditions under which three undocumented children work and live in the U.S. She added that this is just the beginning of her role as a film producer. Longoria will also be debuting her new movie, Cristianda, co-starring Andy Garcia. The movie has already been screened in Mexico and will be opening up in theaters in the U.S. Emily Burgle, who plays Beth Young, is bringing her cabaret act, Kidding on Square, to the Lori Beachman Theater on April 26th and the 27th, saying that the show is old-fashioned love songs with a twist and a journey that takes the audience on a roaring 20s hit. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Warning, a spoiler has been found on AfterBuzz TV property. Please remain calm. Spoiler alert! Actress spoiler Elizabeth alert. Hurley has sparked spoiler rumors alert. that she may appear in Desperate Housewives after she was spotted dining with the TV show star Terry Hatcher. The two actresses were seen enjoying a business meal at an exclusive restaurant with Little Door where they were joined by Hurley's lover and Australian cricketer Shane Warne. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Warning, a spoiler has been found on AfterBuzz TV property. Please remain calm. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Well, Brie may be getting a new love interest. Jonathan Cake, who starred in Six Degrees, has signed on for four episodes this season and is slated to be a regular on the show. He will play a police detective who arrives in Wisteria Lane investigating a case. Sounds like the perfect catch for Brie. And he's also being college edu educated with strong family values. And that's your AfterBuzz TV news and gossip for the week of April 6th, 2011. Dear AfterBuzz TV viewers of Desperate Housewives, we apologize for our technical difficulties, and we promise you that this will not happen again. We ask you to stay tuned, and we'll see you next week. Over and out. From producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek, engineer DJ Jesse Janity, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have questions or comments, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com. And you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter by searching for AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.